Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. This episode is part two of our talk with Dan Kopp, founder of Leading Like a Buffalo Incorporated, about his nine leadership tenets for every leader. Welcome back, Dan. It's great to be with you again. Well, it is great to be here. I appreciate the honor of coming back on your podcast for a second time. All right. Well, the last time you were here, I had you explain the concept of me leadership, and then we had time to talk about three of your leadership tenets, be the buffalo, taking care of your people, and lead like King Arthur. Let's get back to it and work through the remaining six. What's first? Well, before we dive into the first one, I need to remind listeners what King Arthur was all about because it sets up the table for the next two. All right. So King Arthur, surround yourself with your trusted advisors, engage with them regarding decisions you have to make as a leader or the team has to make for the greater good of the organization. Embracing your leadership team, your trusted advisors, whatever you call them, leading like King Arthur entails listening to them and helping them inform your point of view, your decision, et cetera. So that sets the table up for the next two and it'll all come together here in a minute. So the first thing I'd like to talk about today is being beyond reproach. Oftentimes, well, let me rephrase that. All the time, leaders are being scrutinized. They exist in a fishbowl. I'm not telling anything to anybody they don't, you don't already know. But being beyond reproach needs to be on the forefront of every leader's mind. Let me just define what I mean by that. I mean, when you act and speak as a leader, you must act and speak with ethically and morally. So let's talk about what could happen. If you do something in your life as a leader that people are aware of because they are watching, they're seeing you, and it's questionable, your ethics are a bit questionable, or morally it wasn't probably the best thing to do, or you had an ulterior motive, people are going to see that. For the rest of your career, you're going to have the reputation of someone who can't be trusted, and they're going to question every. Thing you do. And guess what? That is your problem to solve because you created it. So when they question you based on your past actions, your past words that told them they couldn't trust you, you've got to own that problem. Now let's picture the opposite. Every action you take is based in good ethics, is moral, and you've got no hidden agenda then you can say I'm beyond reproach. Now, don't get me wrong. People are still going to question you. But guess what? That is not your problem. That is their problem. They are looking for something that is not there. Especially in today's society where every leader is constantly questioned. If you are beyond reproach and you're, you act ethically and morally at all times, the people who are questioning you They're the ones with the problem, you aren't. But the second you step out of line, you've got to own that problem and you're never going to get away from it. So be beyond reproach is the tenet that I would suggest all of you embrace. So how do you respond to somebody who does call out your actions or the actions of your team, perhaps, whether in person or on social media, and maybe it is something where you weren't beyond reproach? I constantly encourage people to ask me questions. So we all know that when people, our coworkers encounter something that they don't have all the answers to, people make up their own understanding for everything. And oftentimes when people make up their own rationalization as why something happened, it's usually not the most positive. 
So there must be something there. So I've always encouraged my coworkers to ask questions and I always give them the caveat. You still may not like what my answer is or why I took the action I did, but you are at least going to understand why I said what I did or why I did what I did. So being open, upfront, have integrity, being ethical, being moral, they're all going to lead to successful leadership. You're still going to get questioned. You can't run from the questions. You surely can't throw it in their face like I did a moment ago. Hey, that's your problem. I'm beyond reproach here, dude. Leave me alone. Now, you can't do that. You've got to address the issue head on as if you are the buffalo. Don't run from it and treat them with respect, but show them this is the reason, this is my thought process for what I said or for what I did. So explain it to them. I don't like the word transparency, which we'll get to in a moment, um, but be transparent, I guess. All right, what's next? I set the table with uh, leading like King Arthur. I also talked about being beyond reproach. Now let's talk about gut leadership, trusting your gut. Now, oftentimes you'll read uh, or encounter leadership experts say, don't trust your gut, get all the knowledge, everything. But there are times when you don't have time to lead like King Arthur, and you can't engage in a participatory leadership style or democratic approach, you've got to make a decision and make it now. Whether you're running an organization and you've got some type of threat occurring, you've got an active shooter, there's not time to gather the team around and say, all right, people, what should we do? We've got this active incident going on right now. I mean, we see it all the time with college campuses where there's there's a response to some type of or violent behavior you don't have time for a participatory type approach to leadership. So picture yourself having uh, laid the foundation for your gut reaction by always leading like King Arthur and always acting beyond reproach. So when you lead like King Arthur, let me remind you, you're going to be a better leader because you're going to get points of view you may not have otherwise been hardwired to have. You're going to understand things differently picture a security issue and you've got somebody who's who is a personal safety expert and they routinely engage with a physical security expert they're going to grow their skill sets because they constantly engage with one another so when you constantly engage with others your skills get better and if you constantly act beyond reproach so you're always ethical and always moral you're better suited to make a gut reaction and a gut call than you would be if you didn't do those two things so your gut's telling you something, you've got to trust it. Uh, my business partner and coach slash mentor slash friend, Mike Jewick, he's done a wonderful job over the last 14 years of our relationship of helping me understand who I am. And he's made me a better leader. And one of the things I realized what I was doing with him while he was coaching me, I was sort of coaching him. His gut always leads him in the right path. About two or three years into our relationship, he would ask me, hey, this is my situation. This is what I think I need to do. What do you think? And after about two years of me saying, yeah, your gut reaction was correct, I, I got him to understand, dude, you need to start relying on your gut because you've got the right answers. He had a great way of uh, always presenting issues with me, like, here's my situation. Here's what I think I should do. Let's troubleshoot it. As opposed to, here's my situation. What should I do? So his gut, he's learned to trust it. Um, it's really reinforced my approach to, to trusting my gut and people, you need to trust your gut. But none of these things act in isolation. So again, I go back to leading like King Arthur. You've got to be as complete a leader as possible and you've got to constantly act beyond reproach. 
So when you do have to make a gut reaction and a gut call or an emergency situation, you will be set up for success. One of the things we talk about in our programs quite a bit is there's some research that shows when, uh, and this is more in the military mindset, or at least maybe it comes from there, where there's a bias for action or leaders have a bias for action, which is, I think, what you're talking about here. And usually you're going to be better off if you have a bias for action and you do something instead of get that analysis paralysis and such. So when it comes to gut decisions and, okay, I have to make an action quickly, what happens when your gut is wrong? What do you do? It happens. We we all make mistakes. I can't, you know, boy, I could write another book on the mistakes I've made in leadership for quite honestly. Hey, isn't it, let me write that title down. What not to do in leadership? Um, you own it. You just basically own the decision you made, which honestly, that brings us one of the tenants we are going to talk about later, but let's talk about it now. Own it. You've got to own everything you do as a leader, your actions, your words, the actions of the words of your team, and maybe more, most importantly, what you don't do. So you're responsible for everything you do, everything you say, everything your team does, everything they say, and what collectively you don't do. So you said running from problems a moment ago, you don't run from things because people will see that. You've got to own the behavior. If you've made a faux pas, you made a bad decision, own it because everybody sees it for what it is. Definitely don't place blame at the feet of your teammates. Own it. If you have something that goes well, feel free to place the accolades at the feet of your teammates. You can collectively own that or, or give them ownership of that success. But if there's something that went amiss and you trusted your gut or you made a collective decision that go, didn't go well, you've got to own that. It is going to give you the, the side product of it's going to build credibility because everybody's human and people who are judging you and saw that you did something that didn't make sense or you did something that didn't work or you just made a blatant mistake, they know it was wrong. The second you own it, you've proven to them that you are human and you have built some credibility with them because you're in touch with the good and the bad, and you're willing to take responsibility for it. Yeah, I really like how you are talking about the stuff you don't do as a leader, because everybody sees that just as much as they see what you do as a leader. And taking that extreme ownership, as I like to call it, which is still in the title of a book. And I think that that's great advice for everybody and give the team the accolades and you take any criticism that comes from either something you did or from something that your team did. Absolutely. That's the only way to roll and you will build credibility when you own it and um, people will see it. Wonderful. All right. Well, what's next? Well, uh, again, none of these act in isolation with one another. There's not one thing you can do for leadership and say, I'm going to do this one thing and be a better leader. It's a, just a, a conglomeration of different things you do throughout the week, throughout the day that make you a good leader. One of the things you can do is you let your actions speak for themselves. I offhandedly mentioned the word transparency earlier. I don't, I like the action of being transparent. I don't like the words, let's be transparent. Because what in my 30 plus years as a leader, I was a corporal in the United States Army at age 20, and I'm a little bit older than that now. I have encountered leaders throughout my entire career, both in the military, 
and in public education, and now in private business, so all three uh, careers, and people who routinely discuss that and tout that they are transparent typically are not. If you have to tell people you are transparent, it's a pretty good you aren't because they didn't recognize it for themselves. You're trying to convince them something that's not there. So your actions have to speak for themselves. Don't tell people how good you are. Your actions will show you show them how good or not so good you are. Just let them just do your job. You don't have to talk about it. That's what it amounts to. Yeah. If you start talking about it, then it makes people question, well, when aren't you being transparent, right? Right. Right. Just do it. I've actually worked in a situation once where one of my contemporaries always she talked about transparent, 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 transparent. She would then disappear into the boss's office. Our, we both had the same boss and they came out of those meetings with decisions made that I should have been a part of and others should have been part of. And she constantly talked about how transparent they are. I'm like, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> Apparently it's, it's a little bit opaque. I it just, I can't see the transparency. It's not as clear as you'd like, I think. No, you're so right. The actions do speak louder than words. And it reminds me of a famous quote from Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the action speaking for themselves, I mean, it goes back into taking care of your people. We talked last time I was on here, we talked about maybe sending notes of gratitude and recognition to your people. That's a, a tactic you can employ to take care of them. They're not going to forget those genuine, honest notes that you may send them. And it might take you a minute out of your work week to send somebody a note. So they're going to remember the feeling they had when they got that note of gratitude from you. So you were absolutely right. So was she. So what else do we have here from your tenants? Well, let's talk about equity or lack thereof. It is incumbent upon all leaders to identify inequity and address it. Now, I've spent a, a lifetime trying to understand equity. I have a close friend back in 19, oh, I was going to date myself, back in 1987 or 88. He's from Bed-Stuy, which is a, a neighborhood in Brooklyn. And he, we were in the Army at the time, and he was talking to me about getting out of the neighborhood and breaking out of the lifestyle he knew. And he made the comment that, well, I said, why didn't more people like you got out? What about, he said, yeah, two of us got out, two of my whole crew, everybody's still back on the, on the street corner doing what they did when they were kids. And I said, why didn't more get out? And he said, because it's not easy to get out. I believed him, but I did not understand him. It wasn't until, oh my, 30 years later, 2018, I was, um, engage some learning about equity, finally had the right thing resonate with me. And I understood what he meant. And I called him and he didn't remember telling me that he was flabbergasted that that had motivated me for 30 years. But literally, I thought about it frequently over the subsequent 30 years. He still we still chat every month or so. He's mentioned the book I wrote, The Power of Me Leadership. He, he's one of the um, dedicated to him because of what I've learned. So Frank was very frank with me. Imagine that. We talked about his life growing up. He had no support system in Bed-Stuy when he grew up. There was nobody in his inner circle. The effect high school had on him was negligible. Nobody 
at all friends, neighbors, family had ever, quote, gotten out of the neighborhood. So there was no foundation of knowledge present in his life to show him how to get out of the neighborhood. And that's based on societal inequity that he encountered as a black man growing up in Bedside. So I finally understood that. And then two thoughts I really resonated me that I understood finally in 2018. When you benefit from inequity, it's hard to see it for what it is. So we have to consciously, I'm a middle-aged white male. I've been on stage at diversity, equity, inclusion conferences as a speaker. And I've said, I've got to own my middle-aged whiteness here. And we're going to, I'm going to help you find people in the workplace and have an inclusive workforce. And because it's easy to go out and find people who look and act like me, because there's a lot, that's what, it, we wouldn't have DEI issues if it were easy to do otherwise. It's easy to find middle-aged white people or white people in general. So when you benefit from an inequitable situation, it's hard to see it for what it is. Plus, I grew up in a relatively small city in Wisconsin, and it was predominantly white. So when we think equity, it's very easy to fall in the trap of black versus white. So because there were not a lot of people of color in the city in which I grew up, inequity was not a prominent thing that I encountered on a daily basis when I was growing up. So those two ideas, if you benefit from inequity, plus you don't see it, it's hard to recognize it for what it is. So that's what I challenge all leaders to do. And employers, whether you're an HR person, you're a C-suite executive, whatever, everybody listening to this podcast, you're all leaders. You need to think through the lens of where in the where's the inequity in the system, whether it's your hiring practices, whether it's the way you promote from within, the opportunities you give those who are in your employ, whatever it is, you've got to examine them through an equity lens and to ensure that you have equitable practices. And if you don't, you need to fix them. Yeah, Dan, thanks so much for sharing that story and your personal experience. Taking this a little bit further uh, on what you just ended with, what do you say to leaders who claim that they don't have the power to fix it in their organization? Well, they do. Everybody wants process improvement, right? There probably isn't a, an employer listening to this podcast who doesn't want process improvement. They're afraid of change, though. So we want process improvement as long as we don't change anything. Well, I'll tell you what, people, we have to change. If you are not getting diversity in your applicant pool, you need to go to where the candidates are. NAACP, Ebony, the HBCUs, they all have job postings. If you want people of color, advertise your jobs where they're looking for them. You can point them back to your internal system because a lot of employers have, you log into our website, whatever, but you can post the job where the applicants are. There are job boards specifically for females. If you are lacking female applicants, go to where they are looking for jobs and point them back. So that's step number one. That's an easy fix. If you just routinely go to Indeed and it's just a shotgun approach and you put it out there and you're getting the same results, stop doing what you're doing and do something different for crying out loud. That's, it's as simple as that. Huge thing right now is equity and pay. I mean, it's it's terrible that it's 2023 and we still are fighting this battle. Fortunately, I actually own a, another company. You mentioned leading like a buffalo, but I also, also own another company called Dynamical. And we help employers build 
create and easily manage compensation systems that help them ensure compensation equity. So if you're listening to this and you've got the power within your organization to create compensation systems, we need to talk because I can give you some pointers on how to make them equitable. So at the end of the day, whether it's a decision you make now or 10 years from now and there's somebody else in the HR chair, they can point to the system and say, this is why there's disparity in compensation. It's not because one person's white, one person's black, or we've got a male versus a female. The system needs to dictate the pay. And that's what we do in my other company called Dynamico. So compensation equity is huge. People who are in decision-making chairs in organizations, you have the power in your organization to fix that right now. Guaranteed, and we can make that happen. Yep, and I always say leaders are paid to implement change. So you got to speak up. And when you're talking about things like diverse slates and really taking the time needed to widen that pool, especially today where we've got remote work uh, is a lot easier more becoming more accepted, maybe not fully accepted everywhere, but uh, yeah, why limit your options when you're looking at people and talent? Uh, there's so much out there. Absolutely. One easy one to do. Anybody who's involved in the hiring process, if you've ever asked somebody, so how much do you want in this position or what's, what's your price? You know, and how much have you made, paid in the past or been paid in the past? Stop that. Don't do it. Because when you ask someone, especially if it's somebody from an underrepresented group, a person of color, female, et cetera, you're assuming they've never been subject to compensation discrimination. And you're assuming that society has not skewed their personal value and how they view themselves. So the second you ask that question, you're perpetuating the inequity. So your compensation system should dictate how much they're worth. You don't rely on their words. Your system should, it's not about how well they can negotiate or what they think their personal value is. It's about what your system dictates and the value you see as what their skills, their abilities, their degrees, certifications, et cetera. That's what's important. As somebody who spent 12 years in the staffing industry, you're resonating with me big time on this stuff. So thank you. All right. I think we've got one more. If my count is correct, what is it? You are correct. Accountability. Now, everybody who's listening to this is accountable Accountable to somebody. Mid-level manager, you've got a team below you. You're accountable to them. You've got a boss above you. You're accountable to that boss. You're the CEO. You may have a board. You've shareholders, clients, customers. You are accountable to people. They are accountable to you. Again, this is not act in isolation. So think about the owning it. Think about taking care of your people, leading like King Arthur, all those different things we've talked about. Accountability is a piece of that. So I'm accountable to those with whom I work. I'm accountable to my clients because if I don't have clients, I'm not any good. You know, what's the point of having two businesses if I don't have clients? I'm accountable to my partners. I'm accountable to my tax guy right now because he's got all this paperwork he needs from me. I'm accountable. I'm accountable to my significant other when I work from home and she wants the laundry done by the time she gets home. I do that. I'm accountable. It's I'm accountable nonstop in my life. And it's an important thing. You don't run from responsibility. Don't take advantage of relationships. You're accountable to everybody in your circle of influence. In an organizational chart, those above you, those uh, uh, below you, customers, clients, your teammates, laterally vertical, everything. You're accountable to everybody. Keep that in mind. Yeah, I love it. I've been on a, an accountability kick for a long time, decades, and 
fall down myself. I think we all do it from time to time. And it's a, it's a great thing to keep in the front of your mind to say, how can I be accountable in every aspect of what I do every day? Absolutely. And again, none of these act in isolation. So you're not going to get up one day and say, let me focus on accountability today. But there are small things in your life getting back to take care of your people. Maybe you do that one day. You spend Friday, spread the love. We talked about that. We spread the love a little bit on Friday and that's your focus on Friday. But then it becomes second nature for you to recognize greatness in people. And all of a sudden on a Tuesday afternoon, you see somebody in real time do something that you want to acknowledge. You do it right then on the spot because you've trained yourself to see it and acknowledge it. Or you constantly are looking for inequity. It's not something, all right, it's Wednesday at three. I'm going to start looking for inequity. No, it's something that's always in your mind. At the same time, you're thinking through accountability lens. You're thinking through a, being about beyond reproach lens, being the Buffalo lens. Leadership is not one approach. It, it all works together. Yeah, it's great synergy there. So before we wrap up this episode, do you have any final advice for our listeners? Don't be overwhelmed about the concept of leadership. Everybody listening to this has the power within them to be a good leader. That was the essence of my book, The Power of Me Leadership, Nine Leadership Tenets for Every Leader. You have the power within you to be a good leader. You can't do it like I do. You can't do it like Mike does, but you can embrace taking care of your people. You can embrace the concept of leading like King Arthur. You can embrace owning it and make those things come to life in your world with your skills aligned with your values leadership if you look right now down at your desk there's not a list there that says leadership to-do list leadership is not stuff that ever shows up on your to-do list it's just the way you act and all these nine different things need to be in the back of your mind as you do everything even if it's something as simple as we've got to have a conversation about with somebody about something that's negative keep in the forethought I need to take care of this person while I'm addressing this negative behavior. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to destroy the person. You want to acknowledge the behavior and correct it, or you part way, whatever your end result is, you want to have that person still have dignity at the, at the end. So everything you do, every interaction you have with everybody around you, you have to be thinking, take care of my people when you do it. So it's all encompassing. Keep these in mind. You're going to have success. Couldn't think of a better way to end this. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking a little more time today to share the remainder of your leadership tenets for all leaders. If people want to learn more from you, where can we point them to? You can check me out online at leadingbuffalo.com. You can email me at dan at leadingbuffalo.com. I do have a group coaching cohort starting up later this spring. So if you mention this podcast, I will discount the entry price. So feel free to hit me up, Dan at leadingbuffalo.com. I'd love to work with you. Sounds great. I'll add information about all that into the show notes for you. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.